Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, how you doing, my man? Good. Improving here in New Jersey. Uh, excited to speak with, uh, I guess we're like co- co-workers, right? Uh, Mike Pendleton. Uh, he writes with me over at uh, My MMA News and a bunch of other places. What's up, man? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. We're co-workers and friends. You, you just keep saying co-workers. I don't know. Maybe you don't consider me a friend. Who knows? <laughs> no, of course we're friends. I just don't, I just don't uh, remember because uh, I know you write at BJPen.com and uh, Combat Press and, and you have your own podcast, too. So sometimes I forget, like when I see the other content that we're, we're connected in that one site. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, hopefully working on a few more things here soon as well. So uh really about to you know end 2018 hopefully on a high note so but yeah definitely colleagues so uh just so folks because we do have folks that tune into the video portion of this um mike's getting over uh some really bad sunburn so we're doing him the the courtesy of of uh not showing him on camera but you have that good looking photo to look at for the folks watching yes i'm a moron and <laughs> I, I said what 98 percent of people who get their first sunburn ever said I don't need something black. I never burn. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been, been there and done that a few times. The, the real moronic part is when you let it happen to you again. So. Yeah, if it ever happens again, I might as well just never go out in the sun again. Well, wait, Matt, you're in California where the sun shines like longer than, than most places. How, how, do you, how do you not learn your lesson after the first time? Usually it happens. The worst I've ever got burnt was when I went to Hawaii, just doing stupid stuff, have some drinks on the beach and forget about the forget about the protection but yeah uh, yeah it's definitely how you can see i got the fedor sweater behind me but i got the uh fedor shirt of glorious victory on tonight for oh the wow show. so that's new got it got to be able to adjust to the uh to the temperature here <laughs> so so mike what what's up with uh on your end i mean i i don't think i read anything from you recently that i mean I, in keeping up with the news that i was at pfl6 last thursday and then i came back and and obviously bellator happened and then I had a lot of stuff going on at home. So what do you, you got anything you're working on? Uh, well, uh, it should drop this week. I, I've taken a little break from writing. I tend to do that um, just because of my full-time job. Hopefully MMA can become a full-time job. I'm sure a lot of you understand where I'm coming from with that. But uh, last week we interviewed uh, Mark Montoya and James Krause on the SFLC podcast, uh, which I'm co-host of. That'll come out this week. Obviously, Mark Montoya has, who I think, I don't know if I'd call him fighter of the year because I don't see him getting a title by the end of 2018, but he's definitely rising star of 2018. You know, biggest, you can't call him a newcomer because he has had like 9,000 fights in his career, but, um, you know, it, it's really cool to, to talk to Mark Montoya. I, I love what they do down there at Factory X. So that'll be out this week. And then, uh, think tomorrow on the show we are talking to dean thomas ahead of tyron woodley and ufc 228 so that'll be fun as well oh cool uh kraus is on is on the lincoln card right for this weekend yes he is warley alves is his opponent and did you have any uh, anything interesting to say as far as uh looking at that fight 
honestly, James Krause, I'm just I just call him Fire James Fire Krause Fire because that's all he is. <laughs> um, he's so honest and real in all his answers. And I'll just tell you guys this. Um, what James Krause said to me that stood out the most as it should and would to anyone is he's like, you know what? I'm okay if I lose this fight. Yeah, I really don't care if I lose this fight. You know, some people be like, yo, it's like the worst attitude to have. But James Cross has really been open about how much he's enjoyed coaching, how much he's really gotten into the other aspects of MMA. Um, he's obviously down to fight, but he doesn't know how much longer he has uh, in him to fight. So I'm interested to see not only how he comes out at welterweight, because this is a welterweight fight, but how he transitions back to fighter from coaching because he was and is uh, the main coach for Megan Anderson mm-hmm. um, and cornered her against Holly Holm. So it's it's a it's a it's a fun storyline that's definitely going under the radar this weekend. He's been he's been working with Anderson for quite a while now. I I, uh, I ran into him at a, an Invicta event um, where she fought. Um, a couple years ago, and he, and he was working her corner. Um, he's been around a long time. Does he have his own gym now, or is he just the head coach somewhere? Uh, yes, he does have his own gym. I believe it's – I don't want to say it, the wrong thing, um, but I know it's in Kansas City. I believe that's where his gym is at. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, but I I I know he travels um, to and from uh, – I, I want to say it's – it's glory MMA, but I could be wrong. So, um, but yeah, he, uh, he travels from Kansas city to, uh, to Denver. Yeah. It's glory MMA. Cool. So, um, what was I going to ask you about him? Uh, the thing is, Oh, I had a comment actually, not, not a question, but he, um, you know, the thing about it is when, 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 uh, as an, as in someone that's up in age himself for, for the sport of, uh, martial arts or fighting, you know, you, you tend to not, your ego tends to fade away and you just care more about passing knowledge on and, and, uh, you know, and the experiences, you know, the whole thing with, uh, you hear it a lot in the, in the uh, jujitsu community, losses are lessons and things, things of that nature. So the fact that he's saying he doesn't care if he loses, I mean, most guys that care are usually young and, and, and well, if you look at James Gallagher, he, how he, he got knocked out at Bellator two or four Friday, and then he was on Helwani's show yesterday, and um, people are giving him a lot of uh, respect because of how he's handling the loss. The way James Krause is looking at it, like you know, you're going to learn off of those things. No one can stay undefeated forever, so that's an admirable trait. Yeah, I, I you know, I honestly kind of lost track of his record, um, but he's on a four fight win streak coming into this fight, so uh, you know he can. And I know a couple of them were. Uh, before the ultimate fighter. And then he, he actually had a loss in the ultimate fighter. I, I want to say, I can't even recall who he lost to. I know, uh, I know uh, uh, maybe Diego Lima. That might've been, been who it was, but um, you know, he's on a four fight win streak. So another win here, five wins in a row. He might, uh, he might be around a little longer than, than he even expects himself. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I'd love. So I talked to James when he was on that, um, uh, the last time he was on Tough, uh, he actually lost to Jesse Taylor. Jesse Taylor, who went on to beat Diego Lima. Yeah. Uh, so okay. I uh, I had asked him, you know, what do you make? Because if you guys remember, he caught a lot of heat for being a guy with a UFC contract 
um, and, and being on tough. And he was like, okay. It's like, I don't really care, you know? And, and you have guys who are like, yeah, I don't care. I'm here to knock people out and uh, just take what's mine. Meanwhile, James is like, well, I don't really care. I'm just here to make money and provide for my family. I don't really care about what anyone else says or thinks. Really, James Cross is just a money maker, you know, and uh, he he may not be the Colby Covington in selling fights, but he gets money in fights. He gets money, obviously, coaching, and uh, he's going to do what's best for him. I think James Krause is the best example of somebody, of a fighter putting themselves first um, and, and helping others at the same time. So it's it's interesting. It, you know, that that's a really good conversation, so I'd, I'd encourage everyone who wants to hear it. Uh, when it drops this week, I'll put it out there. Oh yeah, please and tag us on Twitter and all that stuff too. We'll we'll spread it around for you. Absolutely. Um, I got a question for you. You're in Chicago, right? Yes, sir. So, like, what's the MMA space like out in Chicago? I mean, like, what's the last big event that that you saw there or that you were interested in as as an MMA fan? Uh, I'm always curious because, like, you know, Matt's out in California, and it's like all over. You know, somebody can you, he can't walk walk outside his house without walking into like a regional show sometimes it seems when you talk to him whereas me like i have to go either to south jersey or all the way to new york when things are around what's it like for you out there in chicago honestly i hate to say this i'm gonna catch a lot of heat but i just wish midwest mma was more on fire um there's really not i mean ufc 225 was just here obviously in june pfl was here more recently than that but um, really the biggest promote, one of the biggest promotions we have is XFO and then there's HFC. Um, so those two are probably the biggest two locally, but H- HFC is Hoosier Fight Club. So you have to travel mm-hmm. to Indiana. Um, but uh, XFO is probably the biggest one. They just had their big summer show, the Outdoor War, which I did not attend because it was the same night as uh, 227. But uh, really good fights, man. Um, you know, I, even when 225 was in town, I thought Chicago could have showed up better. And I don't want to blame Dana White because I don't want to be on Dana White's bad side. But um, I think we really lost um, an opportunity to show how many real MMA fans in the Midwest there are because we got a bunch of wrestling fanboys that showed up for CM Punk. Hmm. So, like, being in, if that's the case with your area, like, like, how did you get into following MMA and covering the sport? Like, what got you? What what bit you to get get you interested? Well, I'm gonna sound like one of those, uh, you know, newcomer fanboys, but uh, actually, I was living in Jersey at the time. <laughs> just just got screwed over on a possible job. The only reason I moved out there, and. Uh, I have always, I know this is, this is a weird part, but it's a, it's a very uh, necessary detail. I've always had cable at my house. <laughs> so the place that I, my friend that I was living with had direct TV, which means he had a bunch of Fox sports too, and all these other channels. And it was late at night and I was just scrolling through and I just so happened. You guys will probably all chuckle when I say this. I just so happened to come on FS2 right during the best part of McGregor Seaver and uh, I'm sitting there watching this. And if anyone who's followed me throughout my time in sports, you know that I like characters. I like flamboyancy. It's just who I like. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it to a certain extent, but uh, 
I saw Connor knock out Seaver. I was like, wow, that's incredible. And then he jumped out of the cage and started screaming at Aldo. And I was like, you know what? I'm all in. <laughs> I don't know who this guy is. I don't know anything about this sport. I stayed yeah. up all night that night and I started researching everything I could. Uh, the very first live event I watched was UFC 189. And uh, I haven't missed a fight night since. So. Oh, were you were you there at 189? No, no, that was uh-huh. that was just the first live event I had ever watched. The first uh, MMA event I think I went to. Well, first UFC event I went to was Holly Holm Valentina Shevchenko, um, which was the launch pad of my MMA career, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was the first uh, the first UFC event I attended. What uh, do you mind if I ask how old you are? I'm 26. 26. Was it something where you just weren't exposed to the sport, or something that you just kind of brushed off as as a novelty that you just weren't interested? I mean, you just said you hadn't really, you were you weren't completely aware of it. Was it is it just where you lived and the access? Yeah, that's to where it? I lived. I mean, I grew up, and this this is a whole nother story. But I grew up really, and I will say on record, I am not a fan now. But I I grew up a big Floyd fan but it still wasn't big <laughs> in my family. It wasn't big in my household. It, it was just boxing wasn't big. Mm. Um, again, flamboyancy, that's what I liked. Um, but, uh, you know, there there's a whole backstory as to why I'm not uh, a big fan of Floyd. Obviously, his arrest history has something really to do with it because um, yeah. I'm that kind of human. But, um, yeah, so for me, guys, what it was is, I grew up on football, like, you know, Chicago Cubs, Chicago Bears. Um, that Those were – I'm not a, really a – I am a Cubs fan, but not as much as a uh, Yankees fan, as I can admit. I'm actually watching the Yankees game right now. But um, the Bears and football were my first love, and that was, that was what I did. So I played basketball my whole life. I got hurt playing basketball, so I transitioned into sports radio and uh, – NFL was my focus. First, I started off with high school and college football. I was helping with recruiting and doing all that stuff because that stuff was big here. You know, Derrick Rose was from here. Basketball was big here. Um, and then I uh, I just found my passion, love in, in the NFL. You know, I, I told every job I had when I was younger that I couldn't work Sundays. And I couldn't work Monday nights. You know, like football was my passion. So once uh, once I finally found the UFC – it took over everything. So you said you did uh, radio in, in uh, school. Is is that how you found yourself doing podcasting and, and jumped into the media? Well, I started at 17 when I was a junior in high school. So when I got hurt, people were like, hey, you should do broadcasting and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of dumb. But I, <laughs> I literally did the uh, cliche uh, video web chat. Uh, sports show in my bedroom right like I was that guy um, and I did it on really small sites and then uh, when I was in high school or when I was still doing that someone was like hey you should do uh, you should write for Bleacher Report now this is Bleacher Report before Turner mm-hmm. so I started writing for Bleacher Report I'm pretty sure you can find myself on there still um, so I started in high school and then I went to college for journalism. I ended up realizing I hate that college route. So, <laughs> uh, actually, an ex of mine was like, hey, you should really do media school. 
So, like an idiot, I was living out in Jersey because that's where I went to. I lived in Jersey twice. So yeah, we're all we're all idiots for living in Jersey. I mean, that's I'm all, here. That, that's almost worse <laughs> than getting sunburnt twice. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but like an idiot, I didn't realize that there was Connecticut School of Broadcasting, mm-hmm. and uh, I moved all the way back home to go to the Illinois School of Broadcasting or Illinois Center of Broadcasting, now the Illinois Media School, and. Uh, I, I just went through that program, was offered a job, worked that job until it shut down. Then when it shut down, I moved out to Jersey for the second time. And then that's when I got screwed over and MMA came calling. So it's kind of weird how it all worked out, but uh, I'm happy it all worked out this way. You may appreciate this as a Jersey guy, but uh, my my goal for so long was just to be another Craig Carton. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not the uh, – in legal trouble, Craig Carton, but uh, I loved his 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 radio presence, and I still try to bring that to my MMA game as well. But you can't do that as much. Um, yeah. you know, Craig Carton was very big on callers. It's one thing I I don't, uh, you know, I kind of miss in the MMA world. You don't really get radio shows that have callers, so yeah, um, I, I think that's a big fanboy thing too. You don't want to open it up to a bunch of people who don't train or do anything, which is funny because none of us play in the MLB or the NFL and we all call into sports radio. So <laughs> it's true. Uh, I, not for nothing. I, I, I never liked that guy. He hosted that MMA live or whatever it was on spike. Right. Didn't he have that gig for the short? Yeah, time? I think uh, he did. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't stand it. There were so many other people that were, that should have been the main host there. But, um, uh, I just, I, I actually, I actually blame him for that show failing because he was the, the front running face. And it's like, why did you put this guy? That's not, really i know he's a good broadcaster and he was comfortable with speaking and stuff but i I obviously like luke thomas was on that and he he's got like three shows now they should have had him host that Uh, but that's you know that's gonna i feel like now's the time for something like that to come back you know they canceled inside mma and like now the only show you have on tv for mma is ufc tonight but it's ufc focused so and i think access tv has something on too but i just feel like like because of how much the, the sport has grown from back then to now, I feel like now's the time to bring something like that that just covers the entire sport rather than, uh, you know, promotion-specific shows. Yeah, I, I don't want to say you're wrong, but what sucks is if you start looking at the ratings, right? Like, I love Bellator, but you see the ratings are really hit and miss recently. And I think this uh, most recent event, 204, on Paramount, they had the the lowest ratings of all year. You know, um, that sucks. You, we we all see the UFC ratings and and the pay per view buys and all of that. And this is something that maybe, you know, people say, oh, you just say that because you like Connor. But um, I feel like MMA gets bigger when their bigger stars are involved. So with Connor coming back, I think UFC 228 is actually going to do better than expected. Because you know you're going to see a Connor promo. You know you're going to hear about Connor. It's mm. all, like every chance you you have a break, they're going to talk about Connor versus Khabib. People yeah. are going to tune in because they go, "Dude, next fight is Connor and Khabib." Meanwhile, they're going to miss about three fight nights. But I think pay per views do better. So, and if these John Jones rumors are true, and I have no inside information, now now you're really going to start to see. Um, pay-per-view buys and and I think and I, I agree with you hell all of us broadcasters need some type of job right Let's yeah create more opportunities for us 
But uh, we're this sport's not going to get anywhere until one, the big superstars stop getting in trouble and and stop leaving the UFC, and two, um, you know, there, there's a whole broad, you know, there's like 25 reasons, but the the superstars need to stay. Can you imagine an NFL season without Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, so on and so forth? Yeah, it would yeah. be it'd be brutal. You wouldn't watch it, you know, and that's what's happening with the UFC. Yeah, I mean, I think the ratings, I, I think there's a lot more to that because um, the ratings for UFC are down, you know, as you mentioned too. It's pretty much across the board for all MMA that ratings have dropped. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, I'm no expert on the on the rating system, but uh, so many people have gone to streaming now. I mean, for instance, me, you know, I know I'm one view and I, I, I don't, you know, I never had a Nielsen box, but I, I went from direct TV to sling TV. So now I still watch the Bellator fights on Paramount, but I don't think... I want. I don't know how that works. I don't know anybody that's went to Direct TV now, or Sling, or uh, YouTube TV, or any of those other streaming services. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many how many people subscribe to those, but I wonder how that affects the the ratings. Yeah, that that's definitely an interesting call there too. I have no idea. I'm ratings illiterate. Um, you know, and I also think. You know, again, I I forget what the buys were for UFC 225, but you know what matters to me. I don't. I understand the the base behind ratings, right? But I was there. Like, I was at 225. The atmosphere was electric. Everyone looked like a legitimate fight fan, minus the CM Punk fanboy wrestling fans. Um, no disrespect, but um, I, I worked – a quick story. I worked in the service industry uh, for a while, and I actually worked at a wrestling bar. And the owner – well, manager told me he, – he would tell me all the time, hey – here's what I love about UFC nights. You get actual fight fans who come to the fights that drink, pay money and eat food on wrestling nights. You get the guys still living in their mom's basement with Cheeto stains <laughs> on their hands and shirts that drink soda and water go overly crazy for something that's already predicted. Listen, I still watch wrestling before you, before I joined you guys, I'm, I'm watching old school WWE raws, you know, um, I still yeah, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling fan. I mean, and I'd say wrestling fans are stupid if they don't just pay $9 a month to, to watch the wrestling and they're going to bars instead. <laughs> right, exactly. But uh, I just find it funny, um, you know, the, the difference in the two fans. But, you know, for me, it's not maybe because I don't have a hand in the pot, but ratings are what they are. To me, what matters is how are we building these fighters? How are we building the UFC brand? You know, it, it's – I, I said I wasn't going to dog Dana, but it's just kind of crazy how we can say, or he can sit there and say the most despicable day in UFC history is Connor throwing a dolly through a bus window. And then as soon as you're ready to make the most money possibly of all time in your reign with the UFC, you're like, Hey guys, I know this was like the worst day ever, but let me show you what Connor did. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it hurts it's, the brain. It does. And, and, you know, I've said it on the show here a bunch of times, and we don't have UFC credentials yet. So, you know, I, I don't try to badmouth them, but, you know, I've been around the sport for a long time. I, I, I started watching UFC 5, and I haven't missed an event since. So I'm 23 years in nonstop watching every UFC event that's taken place. I've been to 48 of them now. You know, so I, there, you talk about superstars. They don't create them anymore. They don't. They, they simply don't. They, there's too many events, so you, you know, you forget about it. Back in the day, um, before your time, and 
You know, you used to be able to go on the radio and Jim Rome would have on Chuck Liddell or Jim Rome would have on Chael Sonnen or Jim Rome would have on Dan Severn or you could go all the way back to Ken Shamrock. I mean, I remember UFC 6 and 7 being promoted on on national radio shows in San Diego and L.A. And I don't listen to a lot of them now, but maybe an occasional morning show will have somebody on. But I don't see I don't see them in in newspaper or, you know, I don't not newspaper, but I just don't see them on the magazine shelves as much as I used to. I don't, you just don't hear about them. They're not, I mean, what was the last time anybody was on sports center, you know, and, and ESPN just paid a ton of money. I just, maybe that'll change now, but I just don't feel like unless it's a UFC branded show that anybody's pushed anywhere. It seems like the promotion has just completely fallen off. You don't see autograph signings anywhere. I mean, there was a time not too long ago that before a pay-per-view, they would have five or six bars across the country spread out evenly, where you'd have Diego Sanchez meet fan fan meet and greet at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Houston, and you would have uh, Chuck Liddell somewhere in L.A., and you would have, uh, you know, Kenny Florian in, in Boston somewhere. I mean, I just think that that's really taken away from the – you know, gaining the new fans. Um, you talk about going to 225. I was just at 227, and that was one that was considered kind of a weaker card, but the fans were electric. You talked about that at 225. The, I, the hardcore fans are as, as strong and knowledgeable as they've ever been. I just don't think you get the – you don't have the casuals anymore. If it's not Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor fighting, I don't have my family. I don't have my sister calling me to watch fights. I don't have – you know, I, I couldn't get three people to my house to watch a fight nowadays unless it was those guys fight or, you know, if Ronda were to come back or Connor. You know, 10 years ago, I would have 30 people in my living room to watch Matt Hughes fight Frank Trigg. And it just it's just so much different than it's ever been. You know, what's what's you know, what's funny that you guys are talking about that. It just made me think about the article I, I submitted today over at my MMA news where Ray Cooper says uh, and when I spoke to him, the videos on there, too. At the end of the PFL six event, he actually said something about the comparing the professional fighters league to the UFC, and he and the, the point he made was uh, how uh, pro fight leagues format is truer to the sport of MMA, whereas UFC seems to be focused on the entertainment value. But I mean, it looks like that focus is what brings in more money. But if you're like, I don't know if there's like a still like I guess honor amongst uh, competitive martial artists that would rather make some money but still fight for, for the glory of winning a tournament. Um, I don't know. It just made me think about that as you guys were talking about the, the pros and the cons of, of how the UFC pushes stars. You know, it's, it's not only that, guys, but I, and, and this goes into my um, maybe rants about 228, um, but it's, uh, it's the fighters too, though, right? Because we live in a social media era, and – uh, I'm going to give them credit because um, I give anyone and everyone who has helped me in this in this uh, sport and on the media side of things. Uh, he hasn't helped me, but this is something that where I, I've i learned. And I don't know. I'll, I'll ask you guys first. Swearing aloud or no? You go ahead. Okay. Um, so um, he, he hasn't helped me physically or, or you know, write to me. But um, indirectly, Joe Rogan has been a huge help to me and learning how to really talk to fighters. And I tell this story to everyone. Um, when he first started doing the JRE MMA show or hour, whatever he calls it now, um, he had Tyron Woodley on right after shoulder surgery. And Tyron Woodley, one of my favorite fighters, who just puts people to sleep, um, minus, okay, Damian Maya. And you know, listen, I don't, maybe it's biased, 
but I didn't have uh, him versus Thompson at 205 a draw. Um, you could, as I did, see where I, you know, you wanted him to give up that guillotine, choke a little sooner, and just finish the fight. But anyways, so, uh, you know, Tyron Woodley, obviously not the most popular guy in the UFC, obviously not the most popular champion. Um, but he he was having a conversation with Rogan, and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, you you know what the people say. And Rogan goes, what people? He goes, ah, oh, you you know, the, the, the people, you know what they're saying. He goes, and, and Rogan goes, no, what fucking people? What people are you talking about? Are you talking about fucking internet trolls? He goes, you're the fucking 170-pound champion of the UFC. You're the welterweight champion of the world. You have a belt that solidifies that. Why are you worried about internet trolls? And, and I can understand fighters going back and forth to try and make fights, and that's all fun. But it's when, when champions and, and guys who should be at the top of the game in the UFC or PFL or in Bellator, when they're responding to fans left and right, what do you, what do you have to solidify? Like, you have a belt. Your record speaks for itself. You know, and I think not only the UFC not getting behind these guys definitely hurts them. But I think these fighters engaging – listen, we all want our favorite athletes to engage with us. But it's like, wow, this guy could easily – or this girl or this fighter can easily be thrown off by some guy probably sitting in his mom's basement with a Snuggie on just talking trash. Like, I, that, that just hurts. You know, I, I think that hurts as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because, you know, coming up old school, you know, I was always like a Tito Ortiz fan, you know. But if Tito Ortiz at 23 – three years old would have had social media, who knows what the hell everybody's opinion would be of the guy, you know, back then you didn't have that. And I guess, you know, you had the, you, you, you only really knew the person based off their fights. Occasionally, like I said, you'd get a radio interview or something, but you didn't have Tyrone Woodley or, you know, back, I can only imagine what Tito Ortiz would have been like on Twitter or, or, any of uh, so many of those guys, you know, what would uh, young Chuck Liddell or young Kevin Randleman or young Mark Coleman, those guys have sounded like on, on Twitter, you know, when they were at the peak of their careers and, you know, and people were talking shit to them, you know, it, it would have definitely changed people's attitudes towards them. So, yeah, I, I think that you're, you're, you're right in a sense that, you know, getting into it with internet trolls is just a waste of time and, and really doesn't look good. On yeah. The I mean, it's not even tiring, too. It's, I mean, look at his opponent, Darren Till. You can't go on Darren Till's uh, Twitter without, you know, seeing him going back and forth with somebody. And I think, and, and here's my thing I think Darren Till's a great fighter. I think 228 is going to be an underrated uh, main event. I, I think the whole card's going to go, uh, you know, underrated. And, and um, you know, the, the casuals won't come out for it. But if, if I sat, and you guys, you know, would, would, I would think you would agree to this. If I sat, a hundred people in a room who understood fighting is awesome, right? They don't know anything about any martial arts or anything. And I showed them UFC 201 and I told them, Hey, this is Robbie Lawler. You know, and I told them his background where I didn't even use his name. You know, I just said fighter a, this is his background. He's the welterweight champ. One of the best there is. And here's a guy who's been waiting forever for his opportunity. And I, and I didn't put any other like news articles or anything else in there. And I just gave you the fight, 100 people in that room, and you watch what Tyron Woodley did to Robbie Lawler, you'd be like, holy shit, I need to watch this guy more. And that's how it should be. That's, in my opinion, how it should be. But the problem is, is what we got after that. You know, like calling out Nick Diaz, George St. Pierre, so on and so forth. 
that hurt his brand. Um, yeah, and 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 you know, I was at the first New York, his first fight with the. Actually, I was at all those fights you mentioned, uh, both of the Thompson fights and the Maya fight. And even though he dominated the the Maya fight, and the first Thompson fight I thought was close, and I thought it was a good fight, and the second one was a dud. I think I think fans just you got to go for it. You know, he, you get it, it just to me, I would argue that it looks bad because a guy wins the championship spectacularly and gets to that opportunity by knocking out cost check. And, uh, you know, you'd have to help me out who else he knocked out uh, on that run. But I mean, he devastated some people on the run. And then once he got the belt, it was kind of like for, for fans that have been around a little while, the old Woodley, the Woodley who laid on Paul Daly, the Woodley, you know, he had some, he had some early matches uh where he was kind of a blanket um in his strike force days but you know is it, it's just so hard because you want to you got the ufc's made it where you got to keep that belt he's got to keep that belt to make the money that he deserves to make but at the same time i i you don't go to the ground with damian damian maya if you've got to keep that belt right well, yeah he, I, he got a lot of criticism for that fight i actually wrote something over at sure dog about it because uh you know, as people were saying, well, that fight with Woodley and, and Maya was uh, boring, but he fought him the smartest way you fight a guy like Damian Maya. And and talking about trolling, and he got trolled for that. And I was just like, what? What? Like you said, it's it's the guys in the basements and stuff that are that have something to say that have never you know felt the pressure of somebody like Damian Maya. Right. Yeah. It's who's never rolled before. And listen, I've just this year picked up training. Right. And, um, yeah, look, look, with him coming up this weekend, you know, Justin Gaethje has some of the best leg kicks in the world. And I will never, ever, for one, because I'm flat-footed, which I thought sucked in basketball, try throwing a kick on a bag. <laughs> flat-footed hurts like hell when you don't do it right. Um, so I'll never want to be like, oh, you can't take leg kicks? Shut up. I can barely <laughs> throw a leg kick. So, um, you know, it's it's those guys who have never – um, you know, for me, I'm just training striking right now. But yeah, if you've never rolled before, you wouldn't know just how good Damian Mai is. And, 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 you know, this is just all across the board with, with every fight, with every fighter, with every fight, with every event, with every promotion. You know, unless you've been there, done that um, in a sport that's so new, right? So we all grew up playing basketball, playing baseball, playing football. But we have a common general understanding. But yeah. none of us really were, were getting, you know arm barred at 13 years old. So, um, or, or put to sleep or learning how to throw head kicks, you know, at 16, you know, so, um, the sport's growing and I hope eventually the casuals will grow out, uh, their intelligence, but it's just crazy. Listen, I, I love it. You know, like I said earlier in the show, um, my, my number one love was always the NFL. And, uh, you know, there are people who are like, yo, are you ready for fantasy football? I'm like, I guess, <laughs> I'm more worried about Justin Gaethje, James Vick, and UFC 228, but I guess I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> can you make it to our draft? Uh, probably not. Why not? There's a fight the night before. Oh, okay. Like, you know, so it's just if you love it, you love it. I think what I love the most is, you know, I didn't have a, a silver spoon growing up, and I think I like the the emotion mental aspect of two people, man and or woman, uh, getting locked in a cage and having to fight for not literally their life, but, you know, their earnings, their respect, their place in their job. You know, I just love that whole thing. And that I think comes from the first fighter I ever watched being Conor McGregor. So. Well, you picked a good first event. That 189 was spectacular event. Uh, 
you know, and you talk about Robbie Lawler. That was the night he fought uh, Roy McDonald. And yeah, I was there for that. I was actually in Vegas for that. Uh, that was my first. Uh, this is the first time I went. For me, I was there for Page Two Sports to cover UFC 189. It's a site that's not around anymore, but uh, yeah, that was uh, it. Was an amazing week for me, and I went to the fan thing with uh, that was before the sale. So Dana White and everybody was a little friendlier. It was more, it was more what like stuff like Matt's accustomed to, not like not like the way it is now when you go on International Fight Week. It's just a tent and uh, autograph signings. It used to be so much, so much different. Mm. The fight weeks and the expos and everything was just, it used to be awesome. It used to be mm. worth $50 for the weekend to get in and pay to go. And, you know, that's declined since uh, the new ownership. And Well, I'll you know, tell you that, this, guys. Um, real quick, fun story. Um, and I don't want to come off bragging at all. But so UFC 225, like I said earlier, um, Holly Holm, Valentina Shevchenko was the first live fight. Um, I got to go to um Bellator and Glory have been the only two promote big promotions that have um credentialed me so I don't know what it's like on the media side of a UFC fight night hopefully I will one day but uh so um I used the Holly Holm Valentina Shevchenko to really get in with other media members you know I didn't really think much about fighters and coaches except for Izzy Martinez and Izzy Martinez opened me up to um some gyms and some coaches so that was really cool so i took that that lesson learned um and i used it at ufc 225 and quickly found out you know by doing work with a few guys who were going to be on that card like mike santiago oh hey this is where the fighters hotel is Mm -hmm. so i spent tuesday through really saturday working my full-time job which is retail and then getting off of work and going to the fighters hotel, trying to get in contact with anyone and everyone that I could trying to, uh, you know, schedule interviews, meet coaches, meet fighters. Yeah. Um, and, and listen, I love being a fan of the sport as well, but the experiences, the conversations, um, the interviews and just the opportunities I got just being there. Yeah. I, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, and I did, I did go, uh, partake in a couple of the UFC fan events right before fight night. But to me, it was, you know, grinding out there all day long. Um, even got to meet Bruce Buffer, who I've since interviewed. You know, like, th- those guys could be like, yo, this is the Fighters Hotel. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, you know, They, they could have easily shut down, which you, you would see a lot of in my time of trying to be a freelance NFL guy. You know, NFL players don't want to be around you. He's mm-hmm. trying to go to the club three days before before a game, you know. I'm not worried about that stuff. So um, I got to meet a lot of great connections. And I, I think, to me, that that was my favorite part, you know. Um, I When I saw what they did for the fans at 225, I was like, wow, this is massive. When I saw what they did for the fans at UFC 205, I was like, this is insane. Um, but in all the sports that I've ever covered, I still think UFC fighters – are the most giving with their time. Yeah, well, I think fighters in general are pretty giving with their time, especially when you catch them, like you said. I mean, it's it, it's uh, they're probably like compared like you comparing them to other athletes in other sports. They're definitely uh more willing to have a conversation with you, whether you're media or not. You know, um, if you watch the uh, I cut the the, the tape. If you watch like just this last Thursday when I was in Atlantic City. Um, I talked to, to uh, Zeferino after his win 
about his illness and stuff and i cut the camera but we kept talking about jujitsu and stuff after that you know same thing with jake shields and 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 uh the other people i talked to but like they're just they, they don't mind giving you their time if, especially if they know that you legitimately are just interested in what they do because uh us guys like us you know mma is, is a big deal to us but i mean you you you, you alluded it to before uh mike uh you know, you'll talk to, like you said, you were talking to your fantasy football buddies because they just don't get, you know, like they just don't get it. So as big as it is to us, and I, I know Matt and I have talked about this on other episodes, it's not it's not, it's not, not where we think it is <laughs> when we step outside our, our little uh, MMA circle. Yeah, like I either need new friends or I need my people to get more involved. You know, Justin Gaethje, James Six is going to be a great fight. My phone should be blowing up this week like, hey, man, what are we doing for 228? Nah, you know, especially I think part of it is the area I live in. Um, I mean, it's just not big, which is crazy because Chicago is such a big area. And it sucks, but, uh, you you know, I'm okay because I kind of have a little relationship with a neighborhood uh, establishment. It's not too far from me. Um, And I go there to watch all my fights. And, uh, you know, I'm known as the resident MMA guy. You know, I've got guys who like to gamble, come up to me, oh, who's going to win this fight? And I've made some people some money, you know, just by my knowledge of, of the sport. And it's, oh, man, I want to come here and watch fights because you're fun to watch fights with. You know, now the person I am when I watch those fights isn't the person when I'm interviewing these guys or doing stuff like this, you know, like totally different side. You know, I, I, until I start getting paid to cover fight nights, um, I, I have to stick with this relationship that I have with this place. And get to be a fan for one night um not the same way when i'm there um 225 people are like you're gonna enjoy this night or what i'm like nah i'm like i'm watching and working you know what i mean so um yeah you know it's uh it's rising though i don't want to just crap on it the whole time i i know it's getting there it just it goes back to my whole original point it just sucks that it has to it has to be based off of these big name fighters, right? It has to be based off John coming back, Connor coming back. And what sucks is guys, we could probably be freaking out for the next 40 plus days going, Oh my God, Connor could be, can't <laughs> wait. Right. But then like you take a step outside of the box and you, you walk into like the biggest mall in your area and you go, Habib Nurmagomedov. And people are going to be like, God bless you. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh wait, no, like this is, you know, but you could go into, the same law and be like Josh Rosen. And they're like, oh, my God, the rookie quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals? You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, that's what, you know, It. I feel like, you know, I'm telling some of the old stories and stuff, but I, you got to take our word, my word for it. The, the access to the fighters now is nothing like what it used to be. You used to be able to – I went to UFC 33. was the first UFC I went to. I went to the weigh-ins. Um, I actually, you know, talk about bragging and stuff. You have to look at some of my my stuff because I've got a pretty pretty impressive little little run of stuff. Everything from HBO picking me the biggest fan to, but I I, I get on stage. I win a drawing to go on stage with Carmen Electra. I'm on up there. T- they're taking photos of me and Carmen Electra. You come down and they got a table set up. You got Randy Couture, Carlos Newton, Tito Ortiz, Vladimir Matyshenko. Uh, I think BJ Penn. I mean, these guys have a table set up signing autographs and taking photos with every fan at the weigh-in. You know, you go the, – the, the 
it just you used to be, you know, the smaller events, you used to go to a small event and you'd see, you know, here in Southern California, and I would see Dan Henderson, Boss Rutten, Marco Huas, Pedro Hizzo, and they would just be sitting in the crowd watching fights with you. You know, it was just, it, I don't know if it's the money now. And, and obviously, I, I'm not trying to bag on it because so many fighters are gracious and I still run into people left and right and, and, and love the, the interaction, but it's just, it, you talk about 205, 205 was nothing compared to even like UFC, like 43. I mean, the, 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 not, not the hype wise and not the show, but just the access for the fans. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what exactly it is. You talk about friends having, you know, you need a new group of friends. Like I said, 10, 15 (laughs) years ago, I couldn't, I could, I'd have 40 people at my house. I'd have 40 people at my house to watch giant Silva fight Manoa man in pride. You know, I mean, it was just such a different people were, I think it was because there was less events. And I think people got to talk about fighters for a longer period of time. You remembered Carlos Newton. You remembered Pat Militech. You remembered BJ Penn. You remembered early GSP. You know, you remembered Don Fry going back in the day. You remembered, you know, Oleg Tektarov, even though some of those guys weren't the greatest fighters in the world people got to talk about them for months waiting for their next fight. Now, after this Gagey fight this weekend, most people won't, a casual fan won't talk about Justin Gagey for probably another four months. Yeah. You know, but, and and you're right. You're definitely right for sure. But you know what I think sucks too is I don't know if it's, uh, you know, just uh, too many events because I like all the events. Cause I think, I think the events help build, you know, the divisions, they help build, um, you know, the awareness of you've got great Brazilian fighters, you've got great Russian fighters, you've got so on and so forth. And for me, like, I'm just looking around, I, I see your setup there, Matt, and I, I have a similar setup, except I don't have mine framed because I'm cheap and I'm poor. But um, how many... That's why I'm in my kitchen. Right? How many of us, <laughs> or if we really look at it, right, if we go all the way down the line, from and and maybe I'll run through it real quick just to plead my case here. But Rose Namajunas, she's not really that popular, right? You know, she's not. Um, Amanda Nunes, not really that popular. And so, um, you know, and uh, obviously Nico Montano, definitely not popular. Um, but even her her top challenger. Now I'm saying this in a sense of the 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 line the fine line of casual and hard yeah yeah um not really popular Valentina Shevchenko not really popular DC popular um and, and he takes up two divisions so Robert Whitaker not really popular uh Tyron Woodley not really popular McGregor or I'm sorry when he was he he's obviously he's the he's the guy that everyone still thinks is the champion yeah he's not really popular to the casual eye. Max Holloway, unless you've seen Den of Thieves, TJ Dillashaw, very popular, um, I think. Um, and that, that goes back to his olden days as well. Um, Henry Cejudo, definitely not that popular. Um, so I think if you, I just ran down all the champions, and I hope I didn't miss any. But the champions just aren't that popular, and, and why is it? You know, I, Like I said, I don't think people know who they are. I, they, they, there's too many, the, the events, I mean, you've got somebody like Cejudo, it was his last fight even on a main card. I mean, I, I he probably was, and I don't mean, you know, I think he fought Benavidez on a main card of, it might've even been too, I don't remember exactly what event, but it, actually I think it was a prelim fight. I, I, I just, it seems to me that, you know, 
they don't there's so many events and and don't get me wrong i love the events i used to order i have more vhs tapes in portuguese and russian just so i could watch as many fights as possible from the from the early to mid 90s i mean i've got hundreds and hundreds of tapes and dvds and and stuff so i mean i i'm 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 a vacuum for trying to get as much information as i can but it just seems to me the normal fan the average fan i would say i probably could call every one of my friends and maybe one or two of them would know who darren till is right and you know i become like i'm kind of a sick bastard right so (laughs) i'm the guy who listen i don't appreciate what darren till said you know i have a pregnant girlfriend i don't really care yeah, seen yeah. Really he, he tried to he tried to backtrack on that too. Not that long. My ago. thing is like, if if you played that in front of any sports fan, they're like, "Wow, this guy's a moron." You're like, "Hey, um, did you ever root for OJ Simpson? Because that's actually a moron." You know, so it's like, yeah. for me, I understood what Darren Till was saying, and I think maybe I'm not making excuses, but maybe the uh, the the process and language where. You, you may be able to get away with saying that in the UK and obviously here in America, you know, we frown upon anything like that. I understood what Darren Till was saying and I'm not excusing him at all, but uh, that's the fighter mindset. And, yeah. And- I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think, first of all, many people other than the hardcore fans and stuff on Twitter, you're even aware of that. I mean, most of the people that are already in the pay-per-view won't be aware of that. I, it's just weird to me that at a time when there's more access to UFC than there's ever been before, you named all those champions. I'll go even further and say name a champion in the last six years other than Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey. If you took every one of those champions and you showed up at a Buffalo Wild Wings and I put them at (laughs) tables, and then I took Dan Henderson or Chuck Liddell and put them at a table 100 yards away, there would be 10 times more people walking up to Chuck Liddell and Dan Henderson than any of the UFC champions of the last half decade. Well, sir, does this include interim champions? Because Covington <laughs> might give them a run for their money. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's so weird to me how that, how it's become that. And I mean, I see it with, even if you go to an event and they show everybody on the screen, they'll show Tyrone Woodley and he'll get half crowd booing. They'll show uh, Robbie Lawler and he'll get a nice crowd. You know, they'll show Cowboy Cerrone and he'll get a nice, nice thing. And then they'll show, Dan Henderson, and all of a sudden the crowd will erupt like it's Conor McGregor walking out for a 205 fight. You know, it's just it, – it's it's so weird to me that, with like I said, with all the access and now with social media and, you know, I, I that they can't – and maybe those guys, are, like I said, are famous because not everybody knows everything about them other than that they just kick ass in a cage, you know, but – it's just weird to me that they, the UFC can't, and I feel bad because the show's kind of turned into a little bit of a bash session. But I just can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't figure out why, why none of these people, why they can't develop these guys. And my only reason I can figure is because there's just so many fights that fans are looking forward to the next one a week later, and they can't attach on to somebody. And, and I mean, I don't know. That's all I can come up with. You know, I, I think we're actually getting to something, and it's not just bashing the UFC. Um, let's just use the, the two biggest ones, right? Uh, and, and I hate to say it because I do think he's the greatest fighter of all time in John Jones, but let's look at Connor and Ronda because okay. they really transcended the entertainment side of this, I believe. You guys could correct me if I'm wrong. I believe those two made it more entertainment than fighting. I um, mean, they're great fighters, uh, amazing fighters. But we got to learn so much about them away from the cage, right? We saw Ronda in movies. 
we yeah. we got books, we got interview upon interview upon interview, and, and then with Connor, you know, yeah, his his movie only came out last year, but we got a movie already out of him. You know, we we had his we had his story told to us so many times, and maybe that's where the problem of too many events comes in, where we can't tell the story of Justin Gaethje, we can't tell the story of uh, T.J. Dillashaw. You know, all, all people knew about two twenty seven was. Hey, these two used to be teammates. They don't really like each other anymore. Uh, things went bad. Well, I, I think that. Story. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right about the story, and and that's the thing. Actually, again, like like Cooper said at at, at last week at the, at the end of PFL six, the UFC does focus on the entertainment side of it more. And given that they were bought by that, uh, you know, Endeavor WME IMG, they're called Endeavor now. I mean, they're like they're like a modeling agency. Obviously, they they have the formula or the, the the capital to push certain people that that are that are marketable. Um, you know, it's not like uh, I I forget when who we, were, we had on Matt when we were talking about how wins versus uh, you know trash talk um, bring in fans because obviously, like look at Fedor has a following, but still there's not that many people. There's still a lot of people that don't know how how good or how long Fedor has been in the sport versus people that know like you know uh like conor mcgregor because he markets himself so the wins can market a fighter but not as good as 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 the fighter can market himself by being outspoken and comical and or what have you so i I think that's where the problem lies like guys like us or the older guys like like me and me and uh matt because i know mike you said that you like the the outspoken um trash talky types right yeah yeah uh, yeah to a point though uh you know i'm not listen i don't want to throw business out there but um i i'm not all in on colby covington's stick but mm-hmm. having like colby covington behind the scenes that's not colby it's not colby covington um well he's got there's... a pro wrestling background too doesn't he didn't he do like indie a little bit stuff? yeah he did a little bit of stuff yeah he did so, yeah, no, I definitely like it. But, you know, hey, guys, you know who's a really good example for it? And I hate to cut you off, but, like, look at Dustin Poirier. He's becoming more vocal. He's being way more active on social media. And we're like, damn, this is a guy who just gives everything to his fights and then turns around and gets everything from his fight, like his whole fight kit, to local charities. He's winning all his fights. He's smoking people. And people, now we, now we forget the guy fought at 145 and Connor cleaned him. We, we forgot yeah. about that. You know, so I think when fighters start to tell their story more and they're given a platform to tell their story, we're going to see more superstars created. He's also winning, though. Like he's 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 got a lot of wins recently since he, you know, since he lost to Connor, too. So that's why I'm I'm, I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not really trying to counter your point, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like the wins, the wins do count for something. So obviously he's got the he's using his platform, but he's also winning. So he's not known as a trash talker. But his skills set is obviously been people talking about him this week. Or what if Connor fought him now? It's not the same guy that he fought. You know what I mean? So I, I think the skill and, and and the in cage uh, performance counts for something. And I think you know the other thing is, like you said, he's been winning fights, but he's kind of been front and center on a lot of his fights. I mean, he fought. Uh, I think Connor the Connor fight, if I remember, was one seventy eight, and that was a main card pay-per-view and then you know I, I i can't remember every one of his fights but you know he fought uh alvarez uh on a main card uh and then he f- headlined with alvarez yeah and he fought uh gagey uh in a main event uh, that's that's to me how you kind of build people up and that's where you got guys like poirier now who are who have, who have gained 
you know, the, the recognition they deserve. You mentioned uh, Cody Garbrandt and Cody Garbrandt has a, has a bit of a name and he's head, he headlined against Thomas Almeida and, and Dominic Cruz, but even going into those, like his first main event was against Thomas Almeida before then. I don't even think he had a main card fight in the UFC. So going into that fight, nobody knew who he was, you know? I, so I, th- I just feel like you got to kind of, and, and Poirier has been around a while. I just, I, I I don't know how I don't know how you solve it because not everybody can be on a main card and not everybody can be front and center. But I really think that you know having guys just buried on undercards of fight night pass. You know, it kind of like Till. I mean, Till fought uh, Wonder Boy, like I said, on Fight Pass, and not a lot of people watch Fight Pass. I don't, other than two or three people, I don't know any people even subscribe to it. You know, so I just feel like you know, and, and I feel like they did that. I think they've done that with Gustafson a little bit too. Although Gustafson's a huge name, and, and, and as far as most fans go. It seems like his uh, Manua fight and some other fights just kind of got got buried on Fight Pass. And I mean, a lot of people wouldn't even remember that he's fought. In the, I mean, he fought Glover what two years ago? Um, I think he was even off some time before that. So they're talking about him fighting John Jones now. I just don't know if you have the same fan base from three or four years ago that knew Gustafson as the killer that fought Jones, as opposed to the guy who, who could potentially be fighting him again in in a couple months if if Jones gets his way. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely interesting. And you mentioned Cody too. It's hey, but you know how Cody obviously tough helped him out. But we heard everything about Cody. We you know when uh, Dominic started saying, "Oh, I'm sure you who your daddy is," you know, then we we started to hear about Cody's backstory and why that affected him so much. And you know, again, I hate to say it's the outspoken ones that become superstars, but it is sports entertainment, unfortunately. Um, the only thing that really and hopefully, you know, we've started to grow a little intelligence during this tonight. The only thing I is just don't take away from the martial arts form. You know, mm-hmm. you bring up Darren Till. What, what sucks to me is, you know, um, Cowboy Roney admitted, hey, man, when I was offered the fight, I was just like, yeah, whatever, cool. But I don't know who this guy is. Let me, let me go fight him. And little did he know he was the opening to uh, Darren Till's, you know, title shot. You yeah. know, that was, that was his uh, launching pad was – the Cerrone finish. Yeah. Um, but th- there are people who are going to be like, Oh God, Connor could throw a dolly through my, my, a minivan <laughs> that my mom's driving. I would still love him. Like, but, but don't take away what the, you know, I, I, I just watched it. Bloody elbow, put it out there. Um, Faraz Zahabi talking about the fight between him, him and Khabib and, you know, the way he broke it down. That's why I'll give him a shout out. He's one of my favorite guys in the world in, in MMA media, Robin Black. He just oh, yeah. martial arts in such a, a beautiful way. Just don't lose lose sight of it. Like we all love sports, right? We all love uh, entertainment. We all love sports. Like that should draw us to it all the way. But it's I hate to say this because I feel like I could get buried for saying this, but it's almost like wrestling, right? Like I told you guys before I watched it or before I came on here tonight, I was watching old school Monday Night Raws. You know, because there was so much entertainment in there. Now the entertainment is starting to go away and you're starting to see the people who are getting sick of the WWE go to New Japan. And it because yeah. of that, that's true wrestling. Yeah. So just, it, 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 I can't really say this to fighters because fighters don't do it, but I just ask the fans, don't get away from the aspect of um, the, the martial arts sport because Khabib and Connor are going to be is, is going to be a great fight. But don't let the reason you spend sixty dollars or you get forty buddies over or you go to a bar with ten friends 
is because that's the crazy Irish guy who fought Mayweather that threw a dolly through a bucket. <laughs> because then you're taking away all the fights that we know about. Fighting yeah. Max Holloway in his youth. Fighting Dustin Poirier. Knocking Jose Aldo out in 13 seconds. Demolishing Eddie Alvarez in a way no one really has. And, and yeah. what's next? You know, don't take away from the sport. That's, that's my whole plea. No, and I think it's our, the three of our, our, our passion for the sport is the reason why we're so, you know, at least I, I'm, I'm a bit critical of it. And, and we made some comments about, you know, things we'd like to see changed. I mean, for me, it's I'd love to see the sport be the biggest sport in the world. I'd love to see, you know, billboard after billboard driving down the highway of, of Rose Nami Yunus. And I mean, there's so many characters and so many good people in the sport that, it, and, and like you said, the martial arts aspect, it's such an important you know, uh, core of the sport that it was brought up on it. It's just, you know, it, it saddens me, I guess, to see the, like you said, the ratings go down and, and uh, not being able to get the, the talk with other, my friends and stuff like that, it, you know, and I, I still have a core group who are, is really into it, but it would just be really cool to, you know, have, have that time again where we had, you know, some really big names and everybody was gathered up and, you know, I mean, people bash Lesnar for coming back, but if Lesnar comes back and, uh, two million people watch him and Cormier fight, then I'm all for it. You know, I mean, he's an old school style of pride kind of fighter. Um, and he's a former UFC champion. So, you know, that's, you know, I don't know, but it, you do make a good point about wrestling in new Japan. Um, that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good analogy to make. I mean, like I said, I watch wrestling and I actually bought some new Japan tickets uh, that I'll be going to an event in a couple, couple months here. So it's one of those things where, you know, if you like, if you're kind of nostalgic, you just, you know, you want it to be like, how you always remembered it. And, you know, I hope, uh, I, I, I hope that, you know, like this weekend coming up, hopefully Gagey and Vic just lights the world on fire and it, it leads into a huge, huge fall coming up here for the MMA world. Yeah. They, the, the UFC has a huge, massive schedule. And I'm going to tell you guys this, I love Connor to death, right? But I'm going to, I'm going to captain someone as the ambassador of the UFC right now. And as much as of a John Jones fan, I am, if I had to put anyone, a casual, a never-seen be- MMA-before person, whatever I had to do, I would show them Daniel Cormier. I yeah. would show them Dan- Daniel Cormier, the coach, Daniel Cormier, the person, Daniel Cormier, the broadcaster, and Daniel Cormier, the fighter. There is truly no better captain or ambassador of the UFC and MMA than Daniel Cormier. I agree. No, I, 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 I third that. I mean, I, to me... To me, you should you shouldn't be able to go anywhere without seeing Daniel Cormier's face somewhere. To me, he should, you know, he should be plastered across every single media medium the UFC has. You know, his face should be on their website. His face should be on their Twitter account. You know, he should be doing radio interviews five days a week. He you know, really should be. You know, and and uh, yeah, you he's know. All- He's also, I mean, when you look at it, he represented the U.S. in the Olympics and, and just his whole, his whole, you know, his whole it's things outside of MMA, coaching wrestling for kids and stuff like that. I mean, he's just, that's the, that, that's the guy that should be on the Wheaties box. That's the guy you want to be your champion, you know? So I agree with that 100%. That's a, that's a good, uh, that's, I, that's a good call for an ambassador for the sport, not just the UFC, Mike. I, I like that you said that. Um, is there anything you want to uh, uh, plug before we close things out here? No, I just want to say thank you guys. We kind of turned this into a ramble, and I hope more than just previewing or reviewing Bellator and PFL or looking ahead to UFC Lincoln, 
hopefully this is like a martial arts hour. You know, I, I love this conversation. I think it's the best way to really go about uh, some conversations uh, with the sport. I think it was very Robin Black-esque of me to, to take this <laughs> conversation the way I did tonight because he visited me and I was like, wait, I thought we were going to talk about this, this, and that. And we just ended up talking about martial arts. But no, guys, um, I, like I said, tomorrow I think I'll, I'll be talking to Dean Thomas and a couple other people uh, ahead of UFC 228. Um, other than that, uh, I might have a couple things in the works. Um, brain's a little scattered when your whole body is fried, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm definitely uh, I'm looking to 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 really do a lot of things. Um, I know in October I'll be doing a a podcast here in Chicago um, that hasn't really done much UFC before, mm. so they want to have me on to talk Khabib and Connor. So um, I will say this to you guys and to your listeners: I want to thank you guys for having me on, but um the day after ufc 228 i am in full connor khabib mode and i know we'll have a few events before then but i will be um just going all in on this fight because i think and i'm not just saying this and no disrespect to guys like yourself matt who have been watching this for years and years and years and we will use this same term five years from now but i truly do believe this is one of the biggest fights in mma history and it's a shame that it's being promoted by Dolly being thrown at a bus. <laughs> no, I completely agree with with that. I mean, it, it's a huge fight. Um, it's 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 a great fight. It's the fight that needs to be made right now, and it's the biggest fight that can be made right now. So it's really cool that it happens, and hopefully, hopefully, it does happen. Cross cross everything. <laughs> yeah, don't even say that. Don't you say know, that. I don't want to think um, about it. So I know I know we're wrapping up quick here. I'm just gonna I'm gonna have uh, you know I can't let you go though without getting a couple of your picks for some fights. Um, yep, you mentioned no. that Connor fight. You're a big Connor fan. I'm actually a huge Khabib fan. I think Khabib's gonna beat him. Uh, who do you have in that fight? I have Connor second round TKO. Second round TKO. Um, how about this weekend's Justin Gagey uh, James Vick fight? For his sake and his career, I want to go Justin Gagey, but I think James Vick flies under the radar um, as he's been in the UFC. So I'm taking James Vick. Fourth round knockout. I think it's going to be a great fight. And then um, one, one. How about you, uh, Ed? What, what's your opinion on that one? You know what? That one is. I mean, I, 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 I side with Mike in saying like because I, I, I am. I watched Gaethje fight all through the World Series of Fighting, and when he transitioned to to the UFC, and and I remember I was one of the few people that knew he was going to win that fight against Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson, but. However, I got to say, uh, he maybe have become a little predictable. Uh, everyone knows to check, you know, or, well, most people know, seem to know, but they don't seem to be doing it to check those leg kicks that he throws. And something tells me if you check him, uh, it's still going to hurt the, the checker more than the person throwing the kick because something tells me uh, Gaethje's shins are pretty well conditioned the way he throws those leg kicks. But um, so, I mean, I, I honestly think it's a coin toss. Uh, I want Gaethje to win, but... Um, you know, he's 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 taken a, a few uh, TKOs that that he takes a he's, he's been taking a lot of damage to his head, and I, I think it's starting to wear on him. So, um, yeah, I, I I it's a coin toss to me. I'm, I I want Gaethje, but I'm not going to be surprised if Vic wins. I'm kind of falling the same boat there. I think if Vic uses his his smarts a little bit and keeps the fight in kind of his his world, I think he wins. If he gets into a slugfest and a who's tougher than, than who, I think Gagey will, will blast him and, and finish him by the third round uh, if, if it just becomes a tough man contest. 
Um, and then uh, we're we're actually a pretty uh, pro uh, Bellator podcast here. So uh, I always ask uh, any of our guests uh, where they see the heavyweight Grand Prix uh, going uh, when we got Fedor and Chael and uh, Bader and Mitrione. How do you see that uh, tournament wrapping up? I think the odds on favorite is Bader. Um, and that would likely have to be my pick. And I don't know where you guys stand, but I think uh, Chael actually, I don't know if it's an upset, but I, I like Chael to beat Fedor. Um, but uh, I, I think just Ryan Bader, he's just he's just the perfect guy for that for that um, Grand Prix. And, you know, I was here for the Fedor and Mir fight, and it was electric. But, uh, you know, I, I would definitely have to say Bader. And, and since you guys are pro Bellator, I love Bellator. Huge shout-out to Bellator, Bellator for giving me my, you know, real big opportunity with MMA media. I just want to say this, guys, if I, if I may. Like, yeah, James Gallagher definitely didn't do himself any favors by the way he acted pre-fight. But I really encourage everyone, and, and Ariel Hawani, is a, I can call him a friend, um, I, go listen to that interview. And, and I think in five years, whether it's in Bellator or if it's in the UFC, we're going to go back and we're going to see the effects. And this is not me writing Connor, but the, we're going to see the effects of a, of a young guy training with a guy who went from, to use his quote, from nothing to something to everything. The way James Gallagher has reacted since his knockout loss, which I don't, you never say someone deserves a loss, but when you come in nonchalant, it happens. Look at Luke Rockhold against Michael Bisping. I think James Gallagher had the most humbling moment of his career that's only going to make him better. And we said it about Aaron Pico when he lost. I'm saying it about James Gallagher now. And Bellator is the perfect stage to pick yourself up off the mat and really rebuild your brand. So laugh at James Gallagher if you want, but the kid's not going away. And he, he could possibly be a future champion in any promotion. But Bellator has a good problem on their hands. Yeah. No, he's definitely talented. And like you said, Bellator is the right promotion for him to be in right now. I feel like if he was in UFC, the UFC would be giving him Jose Aldo this weekend. You know, <laughs> well, he's going to be he's gonna be given a chance in Bellator to rebuild his name, rebuild yeah. his highlight reel. And and the sport, you're humbled. Everybody in this sport is humbled. And it's about how you bounce back. And um, and that's the thing with, with martial arts. It's it's You don't take a loss as something to stop you from moving forward. It's always a lesson. And that's how you always move forward. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, when I talk to people, the, the few classes that I get to teach jujitsu lately, when I do talk to, to to guys coming up, I let them know I, I didn't get my black belt because because uh, no one I, I I was I've never been beaten. It's because I felt everything, you know. I felt all I've I've been arm barred, I've been heel hooked and knee barred and choked and unconscious and Lord knows what else I've I, I've, I've tapped to, but I've tapped to everything. So I know what they feel like, and that's part of why I was able to continue and move forward. So that's something. When you see a young man like James Gallagher or even Aljamain Sterling when he got knocked out Mar by Marlon Marias, the way that those guys uh, at such a young age handled the loss and just you know strapped their 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 uh, training gear on and, and came went back to work, that's what makes a true martial artist. So those guys are their future. Guys like like James Gallagher are their future. I interviewed Gallagher when he was here in New York for a Bellator 180 when they came to NYC and, and uh, uh, it's on the YouTube channel, actually. I mean, the positive attitude that he has to have it in such a young man like that, you know, it's, it's not all ego. It's, it's, it's a lesson that he's learning. And even I'm, I'm not a big Connor fan, like, like, like you are, I, I don't hate him either though, but there's, there's something to be said by, by trying to keep positive energy, even when, when uh, all the chips are down. So that, and that's what martial arts is about. So I, that's a good statement you made about them. 
All right, Mike. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, other than picking Chael Sonnen to beat Fedor, I think everything <laughs> you said was, was pretty good. So, <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, I, I, we pretty much agree on Bader on that, though. Uh, we both stated that. So, um, And then, you know, I think I think the Fedor Chael fight is going to be fun. It's going to be kind of, you know, a good chance for Bellator to have a couple bigger name guys and um, if Fader loses, you're going to see Matt go silent on everything. He's going to cancel uh, that week the podcast and not show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll do the same thing if Connor loses. So be, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> thank, thanks for joining us, Mike. Um, again, everybody can uh, follow us uh, on the uh, Twitter at, at Combat Hour. Uh, can follow myself at MMAHawk21. And you can follow Ed at uh, Carbazel. Uh, Mike, do you want to throw your Twitter handle out or, or your Instagram yeah, handle out? Uh, I'm at MP23 ton on Twitter. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening and uh, good conversation. I'm glad we didn't uh, have too much of a structured plan and we just kind of kind of flowed. It, it was good talk. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys.